Uh, while, while we are waiting for that, if you'd turn to uh, Psalm 34, just be able to get it. And if you don't have a Bible or an electrical advice, perhaps it would be good to find someone who does and look at theirs. Um, okay. You know, you, the reason I'm taking time, somebody may be trying to plow in here with kids and, you know, stuff. Um, I've said this and I hope it registers. I'm going to give you two or three things because um, because you need them and because uh, they're vital. The greatest power, I said this the other day, and some of you second, third graders can pick this up. The greatest power on earth is the love of God. Nobody has, until they're resurrected, a hold on that, you know? You, you know what it is, and when you see it, you know it. But that's the goal, because you won't be clamoring and dividing and fighting over things when that's working within you, you know? Everybody wants a good wife, everybody wants a good husband. Can't be done without agape. And you don't have, have it in your Bible you don't have, you may have it in your head, but until it's integrated, and that's what God's after, and that's why it seems like he's so hard at times, but he isn't. Just like the father said, you've heard me say it, you wait and wait and work with your children. And even as I'm talking about this, you know, people are looking around, looking at the Celotics, and, you know, I've heard all this, you know, well, you haven't, you know, and, and you, we kind of have to understand that and know who we're talking to. So that being said, the greatest need for all of us is to be loved. To be received. To be appreciated and have a significant purpose. You know. So a lot of people make the mistake is I've got to be important. I've got to be, you know, and, and really the uh, God's the one that works that for you if you let him. And it's pathetic. It, it's painful when you see people that are loved and received and wonderful and they don't believe it. I, if someone said, what's the, what's the greatest pain in preaching and what have you hated the most? I've hated the most that people don't believe that they're fully fueled, have it all, there's no, they're, they're not gonna miss. Uh, they may delay, they may take a wrong turn, but they, they you, I mean, you can't beat people into in believing. Vicki was telling me this morning that she got a nudge from God, and, it was, and I really believe it was, because what happened was good. You can ask her, maybe she'll share it with you. But this happens all the time, where it can't, it's not coincidence. How many people know that a lot of the great things that your father does to, you know, I, I use the word nudge, and, 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 and I use it embarrassingly. And I thought it was gonna be a big deal with, with um, my friend down there, and he he loves us. He thinks, "Oh, you're wonderful." Oh, great, we got a lot of But can I get him to to come up and you know even pan his way? Now I kind of got that, and that's okay. But um, okay, you want to know your greatest enemy? No, we don't. Don't tell us. I wanted a kept secret. <laughs> now, your greatest enemy, my greatest enemy, is me. 
when the pride of life is prominent, okay? And so, you know, this is why Austin Sparks says, uh, oh, I guess somebody took it, thank God. He says, you really can't know God until you're dead and buried. And he doesn't mean the new you, which is very hard to communicate. People don't believe. They don't really believe generally that they are a new creation. And everybody they see that is a new creation or everybody they look at, they're not to see them after the flesh. That's another impossible thing. But the pride of life, the damnable pride of life. And I am insufferably repugnant, and so are you. When I, when I assert, look, I've, I've had, I mean, somebody said, anyway, do you, you get it? You don't have any trouble with your wife when you die to your pride. Could I get the girls to say amen at least? <laughs> and, and knowing these things is important. Now, I was up early this morning looking around. I thought the Lord said this. And, and you're going to go praise. And, and understand this. My individual praise in the basement for an hour a day was the greatest breakthrough that I ever had personally. God met me. It was wonderful. In praise. Now, everybody likes to call it worship. That's a misnomer. It's praise. And you are to praise God by thanking Him for everything that happens. <laughs> Impossible. Unless you get Him on your side saying, I, I am not thankful, I'm nasty about everything, usually I'm critical. Help me to praise you. But if you, I, I just, if you take, uh, and I, oh my goodness, I've already used five minutes. I thought I could do this faster. And for the next five minutes before we go to praise, if you have uh, an instrument, a Bible, would you look at, um, at um, Psalm 34? You know, we could, can we do that? And you may want to pray for somebody. I mean, our sister is on her last time perhaps uh, your sister flew out already or she goes out tonight is that right okay all right let's take five won't hurt you to take five
everybody in the room has an anointing in them and you don't need anybody to teach you some of them will some of them will point the way but uh, I looked at that and if, if we go to praise today because we're you know you're pointed to and considered you know one of the top musical groups of, across the move you get a lot of plaudits and some of them I agree with and some of them I, I, I think maybe we're rutted here and there. That doesn't matter what I think. But um, unless it's God. But the deal is essentially there is so much there. And as you go to, to praise God, you have a lot to praise him for, do we not? Um, um, as you go, uh, you, I, I was. I just whispered to to Nathan. I mean, almost all those, everything said in there is a word in itself. It's like a sermon, and it's full. Uh, you know, and, and uh, one of them is this: that, that over the years, I've learned, if you're in God, if you're really in Christ, and believe it. And are, and are depending on God for your answers. If you are, you don't want anything. You don't have some hankering. You know, I went into L.A. and uh, or Long Beach there, and uh, with Betty, and we had some time, and I had money in my pocket, and, and I thought, what do I want? <laughs> you know, I I couldn't think of anything, and I'm just saying, well, hey, that's rare. <laughs> You know, I mean, you know what I mean? You, what do I want? I'm in town. Let's do it. Uh, let's see. Can I? <laughs> but God help us, folks. Praise the, the living God who's promised you a, a body that will never die. Your joint heirs of Christ, <laughs> Jesus himself, who is God now. He wasn't when he was here. You know, and there are times you're so smart you feel like this uh, but he came to the fullness of the stature of God himself you know and it's you have a destiny that let's <laughs> be honest let's gather be or not
It's not really a spiritual uh, discovery. The whole world goes through it. And many go through great lengths to be accepted. They, they seem to feel, and that includes us too, because we're human, that unless you have a certain position, certain income, certain house, just a job, Unless you have that, you're a nobody. And, and we see that. Sometimes we even go that, that route. Um, if you got a name, you're sort of guided made in this world. Unfortunately, the, the world seeps in into our fellowships too. And sometimes we play the same game. If you have a name, a well-known family in the move of God, in the Western community, unfortunately, you feel like sometimes you have some advantages. And we strive sometimes because we think that by finding a position in the community, it will give us some sort of identity. But something difficult to convey to the younger generations is that when you are getting to an age where you don't really count, you have to find your identity somewhere else. You know, those are in my, around my age, who are not the ones that are taking this community forward. It's hard to accept that, but that's the truth. We don't have the same input we did before. We might have some spiritual insights because of the life and because I was thinking while we were praising that what has made me or what has brought me up to this point is the many valleys I've gone through. Not the mountain experiences, but the valleys. And so that we can share because you have not gone through, through that in the sense of many, many, many years. But other than that, the phrase that Brother Joe quoted at the land is a phrase that I have seen very few people have followed in this book of God. The phrase of Brother Sam said that the job of the ministry, the job of the elder, is to work himself out of a job. I don't think we fully understood what he meant. And there was a resistance to do so. We went the opposite way. Because we didn't see the, the, the depth of what he was talking about. Because if any group is going to go on, those that are come first have somehow stepped out and give room to the next generation. And one of the hardest things I'm sure for some of us is that the next generation is going to take things not exactly as we did. They can't. They are not required of doing the things we did. They have to find out what is God required of them. In a sense, it's the same thing, but in another sense, it's not. It's the same road, the same calling, the same God, the same cross. But everything else is different. 
We were asked to leave homes behind. We were asked to leave jobs behind. We were asked to leave schooling behind. We were asked to leave our families behind. And we did it. But the newer generation is not being asked to do that. But they're still being asked to follow the same Lord Jesus, to follow the same path, the same road, the same cross. But it will look different. And I think also that's where the problems come because as things change, maybe we older folks resist that. Not knowing that we did exactly the same thing. I went against, and I know you did too, all your family's wishes. What your fathers, your mothers had for you, you abandoned that. It caused great pain. Great pain. Because they loved us. And they knew what the future health and what it required for you to be successful in that world. And we just walk away. Many a father, many a mother suffer greatly because of our decisions. And so here we are after so many years. I was, uh, some of the groups down south is still they have kept some Zoom meetings because of uh, connecting their groups, their fellowships. And uh, <coughs> sometimes they help them to find ministers to speak to them because it's a great avenue for the American ministry or the Canadian ministry to, to have a, an entrance there to minister. And uh, they invited Brother Fabian to speak there in the Bogota, Colombia Zumi. And after that, one of the brothers that, that uh, takes care of that wrote me and he said it was so good to see Fabian. He said, we haven't seen him in 40 years. He said, he witnessed to us. And he said, uh, so many years have gone by and we have changed so much. Now he meant age-wise. I wrote him back and I said, yeah, we have changed, we have age. I, I, I remember a phrase by Brother John Henson that he said, uh, are you just growing old or are you growing in Christ? So I told him, I said, uh, yes, it'll be many years, but I tell you what, brother, I never in my life been so sure of this Lord of mine. Of following this carpenter, following this spirit, following this Christ, never been so sure in my whole life. But I look back, all the things that we went through, and how do we convey, how do we pass that unto those that are coming behind us that will not have to do that, but they'll have to face many other things. But I tell you what, the same God that took us this far can take you also that away. The same God that burns in our hearts, He can burn in your heart through things that you face. The early church also went through many changes because things were changing and they have to change also. Even their understanding of who Jesus, of who Christ was, had to change. Paul invites them to forget about that Jesus they knew. Forget about that. That was a high call. Can you imagine forget about that man they walked with? That man they saw doing miracles? That man that took care of them? They said, forget about that. If you knew him, forget that. Now there's a Christ. Now there's a new Christian that you got to follow. And here the Verse is telling us that we're accepted. No qualifications. Don't have to do anything. 
He said, by his great grace, you've been accepted in the beloved. And so if you, any of you don't feel accepted, here is the answer. You're accepted in the beloved. Don't have to go anywhere looking for anything so you can feel accepted. There's a verse in uh, Romans. Romans 8. Small verse. I'll get it out of the context. To go along with what I just read. But he said, What? Then shall we say to these things? And these things, he just said it'd be worthwhile reading them, but you can do it in your own time. He said, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can be against you? What shall we say, say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. We are justified. Not because we did something. Not just with the older generation, but everybody, everybody went their own way. Everybody had to be brought back. Everybody had to face its own monsters and cry for help. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And then of course it goes into these beautiful areas. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? A long list of things. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. We read also that many people do all kinds of things to be accepted. But hopefully also, we open up our hearts to accept everybody. Just like he did. Now just, we just need to remember though that when he did that, that was just the beginning because he had a plan. The reason he accepted us just like that it's not so we stayed like that. He had a plan. But without the beginning, there's no plan. The same with you and I, without that, there's no plan. One of the problems with communities that this large is that it's hard to know each other. You know each other because you've been together 40 years. But I haven't. Mostly not those that I work with. We go all day long together. Yeah. When you're all day long together, you can't fake things. They'll see you just as you are. Isaiah 55. Going back to Brother Sam's phrase. Some of the changes they've been mentioned here, and then again, I can only judge in the sense of what I see, what I hear. I don't have the history to know exactly what's happening 
But one of the, the things that Brother Sam was talking about is that the change, the change was going to do something that we mentioned here before, and something that I, I, I think about the Reformation. When the Reformation comes, one of the main changes is that now you can read the scripture by yourself and there's a spirit in you that can interpret the scripture. It was a great change. After centuries, this change came about. But if you think about it, it was also dangerous. There's always danger when there's change. Because now if you can read the scriptures on your own language and you can interpret it yourself, there are risks there. And we can see there were a lot of risks. Immediately they split up in many different groups. Some of them are still around with us. The Hararites, the Mennonites, the Amish, they all come from that area from that time. <coughs> Because they interpret the scripture, the leaders interpret the scripture, and they decided to go that way. Luther also, many. So there was a great thing, but it had some dangerous thing. And so when you say, uh, we are led by the spirit, it's true. But there's dangerous there. You know one of the greatest ways of stopping people from telling you things? You said, God told me. That yeah. once you said that, yeah. there's no, there's no. Now it is true, you, that's what we said. You, don't do anything unless you really feel God has told you. But there's dangers there. Because we not always listen perfectly. And I think Brother Richard has said, and I agree with that, I get sort of antsy, sort of nervous with people saying, God told me this, God told me that. I ask God this, I ask God that, I wonder. Well, I don't know, I don't have that sort of connection to and to say that. And so, on the other hand, we got to know that we sense that God is something we want to do. But if you carry it to an extreme and you say this is what God, God told me, then you don't need community. You and I don't need anybody. Why? Because, listen, if I hear from God, if the Spirit is there, then what would I need to for? Unless I realize that I'm not always in tune with God. And so I need help. And so I'll check with my brother. What do you think about this? Now what we did, we carried to the point where you can't do anything unless the elder tells you what to do. And even, he will even tell you how to brush your teeth the way he does it. And Brother Sam has a tape about that, where it clearly explains, uh, and I don't know why we didn't listen to these things. That was not the job of the elder. It wasn't. We're still trying to figure out what is the job of that. Is that true? It should be a spiritual aspect where you you're responsible to provide something. And so what we did, we went to the other the other way. And by doing so, we closed the door to the younger generations. And so there are changes happening because of the way. And we have to see it like that. And, uh, and so here in the book of Isaiah 
55. This is an invitation to everybody, all the young. Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. If you thirst, the answer is right there. Plenty of water. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk. Without money, without price. If you see that in the internet, beware. It's a scam. <laughs> Nothing is free. But here, Strange thing to tell you, come and buy, but we don't have anything. Don't have what it takes. We still invite it, come. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And you waste it for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let, let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And listen to this. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. And what is it? Sure mercies of David. So if we go back to 1 Samuel, I think it's 1 Samuel chapter 12 or so. It tells you a terrible story yet full of hope. We found a man there that is not doing what he's supposed to do. Because he tells you in the first verse, it was a time of war, a time when men go to war. And these men didn't go, <clears throat> stayed behind. And he, the trap was laid. It's a lesson there. You don't want to get trapped, get busy with what you're supposed to be doing. The trap was there. Goes right into it. And he appeals to his lower nature. You know, every time we go to the old nature, there's no difference between us and that man. He comes up with this idea, and, and the, the strange thing that everybody goes with it, which he tells us, be careful. Don't respect somebody so much that you are not able to speak to that person if you see he's doing, going the wrong way. Nobody was able to speak to this man. They let him go. Now, of course, God was there too. He needed that. And so he goes and and falls in two things that were punished by death, brother. Bill has said that. He goes into two things that were punished by death. God in his great mercy. You see, God in his great mercy will not leave us there. Gets this man and he says, you go there to this king. Tell him this story. God is so good to us. He tricked him. You know, God knows how to get to us. Yeah. He knew exactly how to get to him. He goes and tells him a story that everything has a meaning there. Tells him the story and immediately the old man inside him jumps and becomes a righteous man. And he said, that man ought to die. That's what, what he did. How many times have we said that? <coughs> that sister, that brother ought to die. Look what he did. And the mercy of God, the love of God speaks up. And he says, beautiful words. You are accepted. You are redeemed. You are justified. You are that man. And 
and the Spirit of the Lord in that man immediately said, I've sinned. I've sinned against the Lord. You know, when we fail, we don't really are sinning against a brother, even though it affects him or her. The offense is against the Lord. That's the problem. If it was just with a brother or a sister, somehow we can fix that, but it's the Lord. So David recognizes that, and he says, oh, that's the problem. The problem was not the woman, the problem was not the husband, the problem was not the people that were not checking what he was doing. There's a lot of people that were at fault there. That was not the problem. The problem was, ah, Lord. And he says here, the same thing that was offered to him is offered to us. The sure mercies of David, the safety there, there's security there. But we have to come. We're invited to come. Come, he says. You're thirsty, come. You're tired, come. Didn't Jesus say that? If you're tired, come. You're worn out, come. If you're having a hard time with the changes, come. If you are not sure what's happening in the community when the things change, he said, come. Don't go anywhere. You go to your mind. You appeal to the old man. You appeal to your history. You appeal to the mistakes you've seen that happen. It won't do. You got to go to him. That's the only answer. And so he's calling and to a people to find himself because the answer is there. A oh, beautiful that verse that Stephen Andrew read and the application of it. Changing the order will not do. Keeping it will not do. The only thing that will do is the new man. Because the new man, that's where the answer is. Just think about it, how, how things have changed. We don't walk around dressed like Jesus and the disciples did, right? That would be, oh wow, that's not the order. <laughs> if we can believe that what the historians tell us, that most of them wore this in the world like robes like things, I don't know. Well, some of the Greeks and the Romans didn't wear much. <laughs> <coughs> then the gospel comes. And they had a hard time knowing what to do. So here's the invitation. Sure mercies of David. One thing I always uh, brings uh, peace to my heart. <coughs> I realize gospel, the church, been around for over 2,000 years. I'm sure they've gone through a lot more things than we've gone through. And the gospel is still alive. The spirit is still there. So when I see that, I said, we're going to make it. We will. If we stay in the same spirit, we will. History is behind us and tells us it can be done. Others, men, did it. And so the answer is there. Thank you. The Lord bless you.
So, God help us. Thank you for the word. Um, the uh,